morning. Welcome to Rimrock Church. So excited to have everybody here in this beautiful Christmas morning. I guess it's not Christmas yet, but feels pretty Christmassy. Anyway, we're gonna we're gonna praise the name of Jesus, and uh, just looking forward to being with you. Let's do this, Lord. Thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for this beautiful people. Here we go. Glory to God in the highest, on earth God's peace to men. Glory to God in the highest, let's join with the angels and sing. Let's sing that, come on. Glory to God in the highest, on earth God's peace to men. Glory to God in the highest. Let's join with the angels and sing. First obey, then man. All the while you are the great I am. You step down from your throne. Dying to tell us that we're not alone. We say glory to God in the highest. On earth, God's peace to man. Glory to God in the highest. Let's join with the angels and sing. You were born in a star. Humble came to give, to give us your all from the cross to the grave. Then rising with power, our sins washed away. We say glory to God in the highest. On earth, God's peace to men. Glory to God in the highest. Let's join with the angels and sing once again on your throne. Waiting for the day when you bring us home. So we watch and we pray. But while we are watching, we stand and say, we say glory to God in the highest. On earth, God's peace to men. Glory to God in the highest. Let's join with the angels and sing. Sing that again. Come on. Glory to God in the highest. On earth, God's peace to men. Glory to God in the highest. Let's join with the angels and sing. Do the first verse again. Here we go. One first of babe, then a man. All the while you are the great I am. You step down.
actually plan on doing that song, but Wednesday night as we were rehearsing through the, song, uh, the different songs, that just popped into our heads and we thought, well, I think we should do that. All right, let's do a Christmas song here. Two, one, three,
in the audience. <laughs> Mark, good to see you, brother. <laughs> okay, can someone summarize? Why don't you come up? Let's summarize what, what he said. Come on. Kelly. Well, I doubt that I will do as good of a job as Abby would do, but he is talking about the uh, coats for pastors with the India team. And you've maybe seen out in the hallway there are clotheslines with gingerbread men that are a little bit chilly. And you can, for $15, contribute uh, money that will buy a coat for missionaries. These are national missionaries in India. And we would love... and. I gotta tell you, we've been providing uh, generously so far, and we have more to go. I think we've provided 194 coats. There are over 3,000. I know it's awesome, isn't it? Yeah. So there are over 3,000. We could give even more, and you can see the the people who are at the booth back there, and you can buy a coat to put on a gingerbread man. Kind of a neat opportunity. Not gonna work. 
Okay, no problem. So my name is Kelly Weishadow, and I want to welcome you to Rimrock this morning. Really happy to see you all. And I want to talk to you about a couple of things. First of all, there's this invitation. I think it's placed on every other chair. And we would love it if you would pray about who you might want to invite to one of the three Christmas services. If you've come up to the Christmas services here before, you know they're kind of special. I always look forward to the Christmas Eve service. There's a 3 o'clock and a 5 o'clock, and then on Christmas morning there's a 9 o'clock. So there are a couple of things we'd just like you to think and pray about. One is, who could you give this invitation to? I think a lot of people are more willing or open to coming to church, maybe who don't normally come to church, but at Christmas time they might want to come and God might want to use you through this invitation. The other thing we'd like you to think about is if you'd like to serve at one of these three services. And if you think that you would like to do that, there's a sign-up sheet back at the welcome uh, desk in the back of the foyer there. I think there are a lot of different ways you could serve. So um, it gets pretty packed in here. And if you'd like to help direct the flow, the traffic, that kind of thing, we would really appreciate that. So you could just go back and check it out, see what they have, and see if any of them seem like a good fit for you. That would be great. Um, so, oh, no, okay. And uh, the other thing I, I didn't forget is in front of you, if you're here visiting and it's your first time, there's a welcome card in the seat back in front of you. If you fill that out and take it back to the welcome, table in the back there's a small gift for you we'd just love to connect with you find out if we can help you in any way so fill that out if you'd like to and take it back and get a little gift and the final thing i want to share with you about is something pretty exciting we have a group of international students who attend here regularly they just happen to come at the second service so if you've been at the second service you've seen that group and they're from south dakota mines and um they work with, or they're here with Heather and Kevin Fannin, who are international students incorporating missionaries that we support here at the church. And they're taking a group of eight students, believing students, to a conference in uh, California a couple days after Christmas. And we would love to get behind them. We're uh, financially supporting, but we'd even more importantly love to pray for them. So let me tell you just a minute about that conference. The qualifications to attend it is that you should be believing and teachable. So that's pretty cool. They've, Heather and Heaven have chosen eight students to go. And uh, the goal is to equip students to be disciples who make disciples in any sphere where they live and work. And it's kind of cool, they've used this word sphere and they have workshops in some of these areas. Science and technology, family, government, ethnomusicology, Christian community, entrepreneurship, education, and the arts and entertainment. And they have these workshops and it's pretty cool because a lot of these international students come and really get fortified in their faith and called to serve when they go back to their countries. And it is really about equipping them. So I have three prayer requests that I'd love for us all to pray about. One, these, and these are coming from the family, smooth travel with no delays. Number two, and this is my favorite one, students will hear from God in profound and personal ways 
and number three, that God's spirit would through flow through the speakers and the, and the leaders. So would you guys bow your heads and let's pray for these three things for this group of students that's going to be meeting in California. Father, we are thankful that we can participate through prayer in this conference, this World Changers Conference. Father, I thank you that in Rapid City there are eight believing students with teachable hearts who are able to go to this conference. And Lord, we agree with the Fannins in praying for smooth travel with no delays. Lord, we pray that everyone would get there on time, all the students and all the speakers. And Father, I do pray that the students would hear from you in profound and personal ways, Lord, that you would speak to each student and that their hearts and ears would be open to hear how you're leading and equipping them, Lord. And Father, I pray that you would use the speakers and the leaders and that they would be tuned into you and channels of your voice and your spirit. And we just welcome your Holy Spirit to do exactly what you want to do at the World Changers Conference this year. Amen. Amen. All right. Now we have a something special from Darcy. Yeah. Darcy and I have been talking about her leading the congregation in a Christmas carol. And she told me this is her favorite Christmas song. So she's going to lead us in this. I do want to do this for Junior Kathy today. It's the anniversary.
As Ben comes up, let's sing this. I bring an offering of worship to my King. No one on earth deserves the praises that I sing. Jesus, may you receive the honor that you're due. Oh, Lord, I bring an offering to you. Yes, Lord. Amen. You may be seated. God, speak through my good friend Ben. Listen through us, God. We need to hear from you today. Amen. There we are. So Chris, as we were singing that hallelujah song, remember we walked into that room with those Indian pastors? Hallelujah. hallelujah. Wow. Just thinking about one day every nation, tribe, and tongue will be before that throne, like, and we will be singing hallelujah together in his presence. What a, what a day that will be. So we're, uh, we're welcome out of hibernation, by the way. You guys been hibernating the last few days this last week it's like the whole state shut down <laughs> amazing we were in Sturgis yesterday and there was some serious drifts in Sturgis it's pretty impressive pretty amazing well um, we are walking uh, through an Advent series uh, in 2nd Corinthians uh, we're at two verses verses 5 and 6 um, obviously there, there's a context we never want to just take verses out of context and Paul's writing to a church in Corinth that's struggling, suffering. There's, there's hard things in life that they're wrestling with. And, and in the Corinthian letters, Paul himself is going through some hard times. And later in chapter 4, he says, outwardly we're wasting away. And he talks about a treasure in jars of clay. He talks about weakness. He talks about hardship and difficulty and, and darkness and, and questions and difficulty and doubts. And so, so that's, that's the context. In the first part of Corinthians 4, he says, don't lose heart. And then at the end of the chapter, he says, don't lose heart. But at the very middle of the chapter are these two verses um, that we're looking at. And uh, you may wonder, why, what does this have to do with Christmas? Well, Paul says it's the incarnation of Jesus that does something. It's a, it's a new creation moment for humanity. Um, so I'm going to read uh, 2 Corinthians verse 5 and 6. Last week Nick preached on this part in verse 5 where it says, for what we preach is not ourselves. And I, I hope you don't come to church just to hear a pastor or just to hear music. We, we don't preach ourselves and we don't come to church for ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. <laughs> it's his lordship. It's that hallelujah to Jesus. Right? That's Paul saying, for we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord. And Nick last week talked about, who is this Jesus? Who is he? And Nick talked about Emmanuel, God with us. And, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Verse 6, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness. This is Genesis, God speaking light into this universe. And we talked about the first week of the series, it's, it's not physical light because he didn't create physical light till the fourth day. So there's another kind of light, and there's another kind of darkness. There's a spiritual light that God says, let light shine out of darkness. And he made his light, so that day one of creation light, shine in our hearts. This is why we don't lose heart. This is why we can go through 
darkness and struggle and difficulty, He made His light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Jesus Christ. That's Christmas, <laughs> the incarnation. So this morning, what we're really going to focus on is the phrase, the light of the knowledge of God's glory. The light of the knowledge of God's glory. You know, glory is an interesting word. Um, we don't use it a lot in our everyday language. It's not something uh, we just chat about a lot. But I, I've thought a lot about this, and, and I, we believe as Christians, in fact, the Westminster um, Confession of Faith says, ultimately we were created for glory, for God's glory. But God made us such a way that we are really glory-seeking creatures. I would even say glory-hungering people. And it shows up in every part of our lives. Uh, if you think about what, what motivates us to have experiences or do things. In fact, right this morning, uh, there's a, something called the World Cup happening, and there's billions of people watching a soccer game. And I would say that is an evidence of glory hungering. And, and sports illustrate that. I know there's some Vikings fans here yesterday, and some people experience a little bit of glory, right? So all those things, whether it's sports or, or orchestra or mu beautiful music or art, or um, why do people jump out of airplanes? Why do people ski down mountain cliffs, mountain faces, right? Why do they drive fast cars? Why do, we, why do we do this stuff, right? Think about the things that, that interest us. And, and I would say all of that points to glory. That those, are, those are evidences of glory. And we, we experience glory in all of those things. I call those things a fading glory, though. So Moses uh, is an interesting figure um, in the Bible, in history. God called Moses... Um, for an interesting purpose, to bring his people out of Egypt. And many of you know the story of Moses, but he, uh, he walked uh, through some very interesting things. He was born as a baby who was about to be murdered, killed, so he had to be uh, put in a little basket and floated down the river. And it's the princess of Egypt that rescued him, brought him out of the water. And so he grew up with a lot of privilege. He grew up in uh, Egyptian... Uh, royalty, and so he, he was given a lot of glory in the sense that he had education. Remember, Egypt was a superpower of the day. They were the largest military. They were the largest economic power on the planet, and Moses grew up with that, so he experienced that kind of glory. We also know Moses uh, realized he was Jewish and ended up uh, murdering something, someone, and so he had to run out into the desert, and so he became a, a shepherd, and he became the prototype adventure survivalist, right? And so he's out in the wilderness for a long time. With, and he got married, and he was a shepherd. And so he was like, he was the ultimate libertarian, right? He had no connections to power. And, and there's a glory to that. If you go on YouTube, there's a lot of people who want to live like Moses lived, right? They want to survive off the land. They, wanna, they want to and, and just be by that natural beauty. And so Moses experienced that kind of glory, until he met a burning bush, right? And God showed up and said, Moses, I want you to go back to Egypt. And Moses said, I, I can't speak. I'm not, I'm not good enough. And God said, you don't need to be good enough because I'm with you. I'm going to do something through you, and I'm going to bring my people out of Egypt. 
to worship me, to know me. And so Moses goes into Egypt with Aaron, and God gives him power, and he walks through that incredible uh, exodus experience, and the people come out. And then Moses is this leader of a nation, millions of people, right? You talk about fame, recognition, <laughs> political power. Moses experienced that kind of glory, too. It was a lot of headaches, <laughs> But there's a glory in that, and we know that, right? We see that. We, we long for that. Why do we get so interested in, in, in elections and po- political power? Like, like, there's a glory to that. So there's different kinds of glory. And Moses experienced a lot of those kinds of glory. But in Exodus chapter 33, there's an interesting moment where Moses is at Mount Sinai, and he's standing before God, and he asks a question. In verse 18, he says, Moses said, Now show me your glory. So Moses, like all of us, was created for glory, longed for glory, and he experienced glory in lots of ways. But the reason I call all those glories fading glories is Moses, just like us, always is asking, what's next? How can I get more? Right? We're never satisfied with those kind of glories. Like, like, We'll, we'll go back to a Vikings game, right? And, and we'll want it again, right? We'll, we'll want it again and again and again because it's not all satisfying. Pascal said we, are, we have a God-shaped hole in our hearts. There's something in us that longs for glory and we seek it. And Moses was standing before God and he said, show me your glory, God. There's another kind of glory that I was made for, that I long for, that I hunger for, that I thirst for. And this is what the Lord said, I will, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence, and I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. And so God's kind of glory is a, it's an all-consuming kind of glory. It's, it's beyond any other kind of glory. He says, if you truly saw it, Moses, you would die. <laughs> you can't handle it. You can't take it. And then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. And when my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back. But my face must not be seen. This is, a, this is a pivotal moment in the whole story of God. But by the way, did you know this book points not to our story, but God's story? We were made for something greater than our own glory. We were made for something greater than just our own stories. I'm not saying our stories aren't important. They are. <laughs> but we were made for something more. And Moses is experiencing that. And this is a pivotal moment The glory of God, the face of God. The glory of God, the face of God. And here's the question for us as we come into this Christmas season again. Do you desire God's glory? Are you like Moses saying, God, show me your glory? Do you see that hunger in yourself? Do you desire that? I think that's an important question For us to ask. It's an important question for me to ask. For all of us. Do we desire God's glory? 
I was thinking this week of John chapter 1, verse 14, where the Apostle John says, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. So, so think about this, what Moses experienced, and now John is saying, the Word became flesh. So, so the very God who created the heavens and the earth said, let there be light, who made the sun and the stars and made us in His image, became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Incarnation. And he says, this is what John says, we have seen His glory. Moses saying, God, I just want to see your glory. And God said, you can't. You can't handle it. You will die. But John says, we have seen His glory. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. You see, this is why Paul says, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. But at the very center is the incarnation Something happened. It was a new creation moment, the same kind of creation moment that created everything that exists. When God said, let there be light, God overshadowed Mary, and and a miracle happened. The Word became flesh. God took on human form. He became one of us and made His dwelling among us. So something changed. And John says, now we can see His glory. Now we can see his face. And so there's an answer to Moses' question, just show me your glory. There's an answer to my question, your question, that glory hunger that is in us. God is saying, I'm making it available to you. You can know it. And isn't that what 2 Corinthians 4, the light of the knowledge of God's glory? We can know God's glory. Luke chapter 2 and the Christmas story, glory is part of the story of Jesus' birth. And verse 8 of Luke 2, and there were shepherds out living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks by night. I don't know if you've thought about this, but it's just, there's all these twists and turns and unexpected things in God's story. And he he picks such unlikely people, (laughs) people that we tend to overlook. And as human beings in our search for glory, a lot of times we push certain kinds of people aside, right? And we say some people uh, are more important or have more value or have more glory, and then we push other people. But, but God is not that way. God says, I have no favorites, right? He thinks every person has equal value and worth, and that's why Jesus died for all people. And what's so interesting about the Christmas story, he doesn't, he doesn't pick the 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 powerful people or the wealthy people or what we would call the important people. He picks shepherds. And in Jewish society, the shepherds had very little value or worth, but they did a very important job. In fact, if you think about it, when you uh, are home and you're eating and you have a hamburger or a steak, there were a lot of people that went into that steak on your, there were ranchers, there were people working in processing plants. There were lots of people that we don't think about and we don't necessarily celebrate. And that's what the shepherds would have been. They, they would have been people that we wouldn't have, have put on a platform or said they're somehow important. But, but God, in this new creation moment of becoming the Word became flesh, he, he, he saw shepherds at night, the middle of the night when everyone else is sleeping and resting. They were up working, lonely, hard, 
difficult. This is a difficult job. They have to protect the sheep so they can't sleep. So they have to watch out for the wolves and the lions, thieves. Difficult work. Yet God sees them. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them. And look at what they saw. Moses wanted it, but Moses didn't get to see it. But the shepherds got to see it. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. The shepherds saw the glory of God. What does this tell me? This says anyone now can experience this. This isn't just for special people or important people or, or different kinds. This is, this is available for all people. That the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. And by the way, if anyone says that the glory of God is somehow comfortable or easy or safe, they're wrong. <laughs> Everyone who came in the presence of God throughout the Bible was terrified. God's a holy God. He's awesome. He's more than us. We can't handle him. But there's good news. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause joy for all people. You see, the glory of God is more than what we can handle, but because of the grace of God, it does something in, of us, in us instead of destroying us. Because God, God told Moses, you would be destroyed if you saw my full glory. But, but because of Jesus, something's happening where instead of death, we experience life. Instead of terror and fear, we experience joy and peace. Joy for all people, not, not some people, all people. Joy for all people. This isn't hidden. This is for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws, lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared and with the angels praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, on earth peace to those with whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed And what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured these things and pondered them in her heart. But notice here a change. The shepherds were out at night, alone. But they returned, glorifying and praising God. What changed? This is new creation. They experienced glory. They experienced Jesus. They saw His face. And they were praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. This is the new creation moment. And it's not just for those shepherds. Paul is saying the light of the knowledge of the glory of God is now available to all of us and that God wants to shine it into our hearts. And the transformation, the change is, is the dark night to the light of day. But the shepherds, it was still night when they went back. But what changed? Their hearts changed. Something changed inside of them. And that's what God wants to do in us. He wants to change us in such a way that Paul says that we will know, we will have the knowledge of God's glory. And that's why we don't lose heart. Just uh, a few weeks ago, I was talking with my teenage son, and like most teenagers, he's going through some 
some, uh, a lot of changes in life, difficulty, and, you know, it's kind of interesting as a, as a dad, um, I'm also a pastor, and that, that creates a, a little bit of interesting dynamic because, um, you know, I preach a lot, and, but preaching to your kids is not helpful, <laughs> helpful, right? <laughs> My kids don't need, they always need a pastor, they just want a dad, right? Um, but, you know, I was telling him, you know, I don't just preach be, about Jesus because it's my job. Like, I've experienced something in Jesus that's changed me. And, and you guys see me here on Sundays, but I know when none of you have seen me in my darkest, loneliest, hardest battles and struggles, the difference that Jesus has made in my life has been everything. Everything. I owe him everything. I've experienced him in a way that's changed my heart completely. I was telling my son about this, that there's hard things in life. There's dark nights that we will face. There are circumstances that we can't change, we can't get out of in this life. I've experienced that, and I know he will experience that. But I said, son, I know that Jesus changes things. It's real. And I know it. It's, it's as real to me as anything I've ever experienced my whole life, that Jesus is a light, and he changes, and he transforms, and he gives me joy and peace and hope and love. He gives me assurance. He gives me so much. I've experienced that. He forgives. He lifts me up. He delivers me. He gives me everything. And I share that with you this morning because so easy to come to a place like this in church and just think, well, the preacher has to say that. He gets paid to do that. <laughs> but I want you to know that even if I wasn't paid, even if I wasn't a pastor, all I know is that Jesus is as real and his glory is more than anything I've experienced. And I've experienced all kinds of glories. I've experienced sports. I've experienced a lot of things. But you know what? In the darkest moments, those are not the things that deliver me or give me hope or peace. Jesus. It's Jesus who's rescued me, who's delivered me and given me purpose and a future and changed me and made me into a person who can love and share and be unselfish even in my struggles, even in my weakness. It's not a hidden glory. And so what I think Paul is talking about, he's not talking about something just special for certain kinds of people or for pastors or, or somehow people who have more than others. No, no, this is for all of us. The angel said to the shepherds, this is for all people. This joy is not just a special thing. It's for everyone who believes, everyone who will receive, everyone who will open up their hearts to Jesus. In John 15, 16, and 17, Jesus has these intimate conversations with his disciples before he's going to leave earth. And this whole week I've been reading John 16 because he talks a lot about glory and making that known. And he says in John 16, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. And I kind of think of Jesus, you know, his disciples, and, and he's kind of like a father figure, and he's telling them what, what's most important, what's going to help them in this life before he goes back to heaven. He says, I have much more, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. 
You see, God's given us the Holy Spirit. And I think this is what Paul's talking about, that light that shines into our hearts, is, is God himself is speaking into my heart. He's speaking into your heart, our hearts. And listen to verse 14. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive, and he will make it known to you. And all that belongs to the Father is mine. And this is why I said, the Spirit will receive from me, and he will make it known to you. This glory of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we can't wrap our minds around it. it it's Paul, uh, Moses was, was astounded. He wanted to see it. Like it, it's, it's so beyond us. It's so much more than we can bear. Yet, yet Jesus is saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this known to you. You can understand who I am. You can know me. You can know my light. You can know my peace, my presence, my power, my wisdom, my truth, my grace, my love. It's available to you, and I'm going to make it known to you. That's what Paul's talking about in 2 Corinthians 4. So what is, what is knowledge? Um, during the snowstorm this last week, um, my son is learning how to drive. He's got his permit. So I thought, he's done a lot of hours driving, but he doesn't have much snow hours. So I said, when everything's shut down, it's great. There's no cars out. Let's go driving. <laughs> so, so we tore all over Rapid City. But here's something that's really interesting. Um, I said, well, First, we got, we got to find an empty parking lot because, so we drove to the parking lot, but I said, um, here's what's going to happen. When you lose control, this is what you're going to want to do, but this is what you got to do. So he, he had that information in his head about what to do. Well, we're headed down the road, and sure enough, he slides, and he panics, and he totally reacts wrong, right? <laughs> and I said, it's okay. Hang in there. So we made it to the parking lot, and we spent a good hour just spinning, sliding all over the parking lot. And then we were driving in the streets, and again, he slid, but this time, he didn't panic, right? He knew what to do, and he kept control of the car. And we went safely and well, made it back home by God's grace. <laughs> what changed? Knowledge, right? I could have told him all day about what to do, but until he experienced it, until he felt what it felt like, with the steering wheel to be out of control and how do you react, how do you respond to that, there grew confidence. And now, when the next snowstorm comes, I'm going to feel a lot better as a dad because he has knowledge. He knows what to do, right? This is what God wants to do in us. What do we do when we face a circumstance we can't handle? When we're in the dark nights of our souls, when we're alone and struggling, fear, depression, sickness, whatever, whatever's coming, how are we going to know what to do? Paul says the light that God has is going to shine into our hearts. <laughs> and it's going to do something in us. It's going to give us a knowledge about what to do. And I love, I love what, what, what Jesus says in John 16. He says, you're... Your grief will turn to joy. God's going to do something. So instead of panic and fear, like the shepherds, God says, no, actually, I'm going to give you joy in this. I'm, James says, consider it all joy when you face trials. Why? Because when we know God and his glory, everything else <laughs> is small in comparison. Every other glory is fading. We know the greater glory. We know who God is, and that gives us joy and peace. 
I love that one of the fruits of glory, of God's kind of glory, is joy. I mean, all the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, control. Like, you can't buy that stuff. That, that's a knowledge that, that God has to shine in our hearts, and it transforms us. But, but one of those is joy. Jesus says, your grief will turn to joy in John 16. So one of the characteristics of God in our lives, his presence in his people, is joy. I was thinking about this this week. I, I, when I think of the word joy, I think of people, people I've been around. And there's a lot of people. There's some of you that I think of when I think of joy. But one of the, the, the pastors that had a huge impact on me when I think of joy was a guy named Chewy. He was from Mexico. Uh, he, he pastored in a city called Chihuahua, Mexico. Our church went many times, and, and so I got to know Pastor Chewy. But, but Pastor Chewy had a disease since he was a kid, and his bones were brutal, brittle, and so they would break. And so his whole childhood, he broke bones over and over and over. And so he was confined to a, a wheelchair, and he was in constant pain all the time. And you may be wondering, well, that doesn't sound like a joyful story. So Pastor Chewy, he would preach in a wheelchair. And they would, they would actually, they didn't have a ramp, so they would, they would lift him up onto the stage. And he would sit in a wheelchair. But when he would preach, <laughs> joy radiated from this man. It was so powerful. This man was so full of joy. And I was with him not just when he was preaching. I was with him when he was hurting. But there was a joy. There was a strength, there was a peace in this man that was so powerful. One day, we were at his church worshiping, and I saw a woman in the back, and she was worshiping God, and, and she had this smile on her face, and she just radiated joy. And so I said, I got to go talk to this woman. And so I went to her, and I said, why are you so happy? Tell me your story. I said, do you like this music? Because there were some teenagers, and they were just driving up there, the music, and it wasn't real good music. And I said, do you like that music? She said, no, not at all. It's horrible. <laughs> but she said, I'm really happy that those young people are worshiping God. Well, I said, well, where's your joy come from? Why are you so happy? She said, I, I lived right next door to this church. And she said, every Sunday was market day. And so every Sunday, I would go down to the market to make my purchases for the week. And she said, I was the most miserable person that I knew. I was miserable. I was in a terrible mar uh, marriage. My life was terrible. I didn't want to live anymore. I was the most miserable person. She said, every Sunday, I would walk past this church, and I would look in, and she said, the same thought would go through my head every week. Why are those people so happy? And then she would, like, curse them and keep walking. <laughs> and she did that over and over. And she, every, every week, she said, why are those people so happy? Then she said, one Sunday, I walked by, I looked in, and a new thought came in my head. I should go in there and find out why. Why are they so happy? What is that? And she went in. <laughs> she went in. And she heard Pastor Chewy share the gospel. And the light of the knowledge of the glory of God shone into her heart. And she said, I walked out of that church a different person. God did something in me. And he put a joy in my heart. Her circumstances didn't all change, but she changed. <laughs> something happened. God can do that for us. And I know he's done that for many of you in this room. I see it. You see the glory of God in your lives. And he's doing that in us. And he's doing that in people all around the world. But there's someone here, I believe, this morning who maybe hasn't experienced that. It's not too late. <laughs> there's another Christmas. And it's a Christmas for you where God wants to be the gift that changes you forever. 
so that you can walk through the dark and difficult days that may be coming in your life, but the light of the knowledge of the glory of God will change it, and you will have joy, you will have peace, you'll have love, you'll have everything that God has. He wants to give it to you. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up. Lord, thank you for your presence. I love you so much, Jesus. Thank you for rescuing me from my sin, my selfishness, my darkness. Thank you for giving us life. Lord, I believe there's someone here this morning who needs to hear this message. You know, you know their story, you know them. I just pray they would be able to hear that this isn't just for someone else, that this is for them. That you want to do something in them. And Jesus, that's why you came as a baby. That's why you lived. That's why you died on the cross, to forgive our sins, to shine a light into our darkness, and to make us into new kinds of people. So I pray that you would give them faith and the grace to receive that gift this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing this together. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive Yeah. 
Lord, that you are here. God, I pray that you would lay on each of our hearts someone we could bring to the Christmas Eve services, God, just so they might catch a glimpse of your glory. God, that you would use us that eternity might be changed. Thank you, Lord. God bless you. We'll see you Saturday three or five or Sunday morning too, all right?